0: Saturday, March the 5th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up. Russia captures a nuclear plant and Zelensky slams NATO. First, the week in brief. America's embassy in Ukraine called the Russian shelling of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant a, quote, war crime. The International Atomic Energy Agency, the UN's nuclear watchdog, said no radioactive material had been released after Russian forces took control of the plant. A fire, later extinguished, had triggered widespread alarm about a nuclear incident. Several people were killed and injured in the attack. Zaporizhia, in southeast Ukraine, is the largest plant of its type in Europe, and provides about 20% of the country's electricity. President Volodymyr Zelensky bitterly condemned NATO's refusal to enforce a no-fly zone over Ukraine, saying it amounted to a, quote, green light for Russia to bomb towns and villages. Quote, all the people who die will die because of you, he told the organization. Jens Stoltenberg, NATO's Secretary General, said the alliance was not part of the Ukrainian conflict, but would increase its military presence in neighbouring countries. Finland and Sweden, which are not members of the alliance, will be involved in all consultations about the crisis. Heavy fighting continued across Ukraine, with the action particularly heavy in the south of the country. Russia is making a push to take the port city of Odessa, and the shipbuilding town of Mykolaiv. The capital, Kyiv, also came under sustained fire. The UN Human Rights Council has calculated that 331 civilians have been killed and 675 wounded since Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th. Most of the victims died because of explosive weapons, including shelling from heavy artillery, multi-launch rocket systems and missile and air strikes. On Friday, the council voted for a resolution condemning alleged rights violations by Russia in the country. Russia has blocked access to Facebook, accusing the social media network of discriminating against Russian news media. The BBC temporarily suspended its operations in the country after Russia's parliament passed legislation making publishing, quote, fake news about the army, that is, anything that contradicts the Kremlin's claims. Transgressors face 15 years in prison. Stock markets tumbled again on Friday, while the euro dipped below $1.10, its lowest level against the dollar since May 2020. Separately, S&P Dow Jones Indices said it will remove all shares in firms listed or domiciled in Russia from its benchmark indices, including the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500. Stock exchanges in London and New York suspended trading in several exchange-traded funds that track Russian shares. Mr. Zelensky said he wants to have direct talks with Mr. Putin. Mr. Zelensky said one-on-one meetings are, quote, the only way to stop this war. A Ukrainian official who participated in talks with Russia said the two countries had tentatively agreed to establish safe corridors for the evacuations of civilians and transport of aid. Ceasefires fires will be observed in those areas, he said. Other news. China set a growth target of 5.5% in 2022, its lowest in decades. The Chinese economy is under pressure from the country's zero-COVID policy, a crisis in its property sector, and the war in Ukraine. America's Supreme Court upheld the death sentence of Zhohar Zunayev, He helped carry out the Boston Marathon bombing in 2013 that killed three people and wounded more than 260. He will probably not be executed soon, or perhaps ever, since President Joe Biden has vowed to abolish federal executions. A suicide bombing at a mosque in Peshawar, northwest Pakistan, killed at least 56 people and wounded hundreds. No one has claimed responsibility for the attack yet. Word of the Week. Ostpolitik. Noun. A decades old strategy of dealing with Russia, based in part on the hope that gas pipelines could promote mutual dependence and therefore peace. And correction. A previous version of our story on Brazil's economy said that the country's central bank raised interest rates eight times last year. In fact, it raised them seven times in 2021 and once in 2022 sorry. And now here's today's agenda. Turkey's conflicted loyalties. Few countries and even fewer members of NATO have been as ambiguous as Turkey in their response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The government has condemned the aggression but the president Recep Tayyip Erdogan seems determined to preserve his warm relationship with Russia's Vladimir Putin. Turkey would not turn its back on either Russia or Ukraine, Mr. Erdogan said on February 28th. It has offered to host peace talks. Turkey has also hedged its recent decision to deny access to the Black Sea to Russian warships, other than those returning to base by warning other navies not to enter either but Turkey may be doing more than meets the eye. On March 2nd, Ukraine's defense ministry announced that it had received a batch of armed TB2 drones from the country. Flight radar data have been interpreted as showing that Turkey may also be delivering military supplies to eastern Poland, close to the Ukrainian border. Turkey's pivot from Russia already seems to be underway. Chinese Legislature Meets The National People's Congress is a rubber-stamp body. Its delegates are, in effect, Communist Party appointees. Many are officials. But its annual session is closely watched for clues to the party's thinking on everything from the economy to foreign policy. This year's conclave began on Saturday with the State of the Nation Address by the Prime Minister, Li Keqiang. The gathering may shed light on the country's long-term commitment to its draconian approach to crushing COVID-19 amid concerns about the economic impact. Delegates are expected to endorse efforts to boost the economy with tax cuts and investment in infrastructure. Mr. Lee predicted that growth will be 5.5% this year, compared with about 6% or higher before the pandemic, and last year's rate of more than 8%. On March 7th, On the margins of the meeting, the foreign minister will give his annual press conference. Don't expect him to criticise Russia. Eating small fish for sustainable seafood In theory, fish farming could meet all the world's additional animal protein needs by 2050. But aquaculture relies on catching wild fish to feed farmed species. That, concludes a study in PLOS Sustainability and Transformation, is hopelessly inefficient. Take Scotland's salmon farms, which in 2014 used over twice as much wild-caught fish as they produced. Those quote, feed fish, are usually small, edible species, such as sardines and anchovies, most of which could go straight onto dinner plates. The scientists suggest that farmed salmon instead be fed only trimmings, fish byproducts, with wild catches reallocated to humans and more efficient species, such as carp. This, they estimate, would yield an extra 6.1 million tonnes of seafood and keep most feed fish in the sea. As behavioural changes go, this should not be difficult. Sardines and anchovies are tasty and could tempt consumers away from their farmed salmon steaks. arts organisations squeeze out russia In the past week cultural institutions have expressed their disgust at the invasion of Ukraine by marginalizing Russian arts First Russia was banned from this year's Eurovision song contest Then the Cannes Film Festival announced it would not quote welcome official Russian delegations or quote anyone linked to the Russian government the Munich Philharmonic's chief conductor, Valery Gergiev was booed on stage over his ties to President Vladimir Putin and then fired from the orchestra. Musicians are not the only targets. Two big American studios, Warner Brothers and Paramount, have both suspended the release of their films in Russia. London's Royal Opera House cancelled a planned residency by Moscow's Bolshoi Ballet, one of the greatest companies in the industry. Cat lovers have been hit too. The International Cat Federation has banned Russian felines from their competitions. Mr Putin is unlikely to care, but Russia's rich and influential cultural elite surely will. Weekend Profile Vitali Klitschko, Mayor of Kiev In his youth, Vitaly Klitschko found fame as a world heavyweight boxing champion. Now, as Russian forces advance on Kyiv, the Ukrainian capital, he is leading a different kind of fight as the city's mayor. As he once said early in his political career, I know better than anyone, no fight, no win. A towering figure at just over two metres tall, Mr. Klitschko often speaks in boxing metaphors. He was born in 1971, in what is now Kyrgyzstan, the son of a Soviet Major General. As the family moved between military bases, Mr. Klitschko and his younger brother Vladimir took up boxing. Both spent most of their professional sporting careers in Germany. Vladimir too became a world heavyweight champion. Vitaly was known as, quote, Dr. Iron Fist, a reference to his PhD in sports science. After hanging up his gloves... Vitaly became one of Ukraine's most recognisable pro-Western politicians, playing a prominent role in the Euromaidan protests in Kyiv in the winter of 2013-2014. to 2014. In 2014, he was elected mayor of Kyiv. Now aged 50, Mr Klitschko has been mobilising Kyiv's residents against the Russian onslaught. A huge convoy of tanks has been advancing slowly on the city, Thousands have been sheltering from bombing and artillery fire deep in metro stations. Many more have fled west. Ordinary people are arming themselves and mixing Molotov cocktails. Quote, a huge number of people, civilians, are taking part in defending the city, said Mr Klitschko in a television interview this week. Quote, we have our partners, our will, our beloved land, which we are not going to give up. Beyond Ukraine, the Klitschko brothers are using their international popularity to rally support for the war effort. Speaking in Germany in January, Vitaly urged Berlin to alter its stance on arms exports. After the invasion, Germany said it would deliver weapons directly to Ukraine. Quote, everyone has to be involved, he told the BBC in English in a joint interview with Vladimir from Kyiv this week. This is, quote, a war against democracy because Ukraine is aiming to be a, quote, modern European democratic country. This week's quiz winners. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia, Nana Taylor, Singapore, North America, Kevin Garcia, Media, United States, Central and South America, Marcelo Byronbaum, Montevideo, Uruguay; Europe, Jerky Rainer, Porvo, Finland; Africa, Rob Blair, Harare, Zimbabwe; Oceania, Rata Ingram, Christchurch, New Zealand. They all gave the correct answers of Elmer Bernstein, Sylvester Stallone, Leghorn, Yosemite, and Coyotes. The theme was Warner Brothers cartoon characters: Elmer Fudd, Sylvester. Foghorn Leghorn, Yosemite Sam and Wiley Coyote. Check back on Monday for the beginning of next week's edition and your chance to win. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Frank Norris, who was born on this day in 1870. Truth is a thing immortal and perpetual and it gives to us a beauty that fades not away in time.